Scaring Sam is supported by Horrified, the website that celebrates and champions British horror, covering films, television, books, fiction, and more. You can visit Horrified at horrifiedmagazine.co.uk and find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at horrifiedmag. Now, let's get back to the scares. So, Halloween is a distant memory. Now we're sat down to watch what scientists call the scariest film ever made. I don't know anything about it all, but here we go. Welcome everyone to Scaring Sam. It sounded like you were going to sing that. (laughs) Welcome! Welcome! (laughs) I'm James and of course I am joined by my ever-patient fiancé, Sam. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. And as Sam said, in a scientific study conducted by Broadband Choices, 50 people of various ages were tasked with watching over 100 hours of horror movies, limited to the 50 highest rated according to IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes and Reddit. Through tracking their heart rates, they worked out since there was the scariest film ever made from that list of 50. Just from the heart rates? Yeah. Just on the heart rates. Okay, and clarification here, we didn't use any, like, heart rate monitors or anything. No, we don't have the budget for such a thing. <laughs> and Sam left a fitness watch at home. Yeah. Average resting heart rate was 65 beats per minute, which rose to 86 BPM, which doesn't seem a lot, actually. No, that's not a lot. And what better way to test out this result than on our resident scaredy cat? Yeah, thanks, James. Ellison Oswalt, a washed-up true crime writer, played by Ethan Hawke, moves his family into a house where the previous occupants were murdered in hopes of writing another best-selling novel based on the case. Through the home movies he finds in the loft, he discovers he may be dealing with a serial killer who has been killing families for years. A serial killer or something far more demonic. So, Sam... What did you think of this movie? Well, James, I don't know what kind of accent that was. There was some, like, predictable stuff in this film. And I did get a little bit scared on a few occasions. But generally, I wouldn't say it's the scariest film ever. Oh, no, without a doubt. I don't know what I would put up there on that top shelf. Where's the question. What is the scariest film? Because we have all numerous tastes. Yeah, well, it's, it's a personal choice, isn't it? Yeah, based from personal experiences. Yeah. So I'm really scared of ghosts and the dark and... Clowns. <laughs> no, not so Spiders. much clowns. Spiders, yes. And... Short ginger men. No, not really. We, we figured that one out, that that was just a childhood thing and... Yeah. We watched it and I got over it. Cyclops. Cyclops also that's I think that's a childhood thing too. (laughs) Dawson's Creek. Jonathan Creek. (laughs) 
I know what you've been watching lately. <laughs> It's one honest, of them, wasn't the it? The Cyclops is in Dawson's Creek. Yeah, why not? But yeah, so there was some predictable um, kind of things in there, like staying in a crime scene house. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Like, Just, I can understand. He's a writer. It's desperation. Yeah, he's. it's like 10 years after his first book, he's now kind of got a, gone flopped. Gone, gone flopped. Gone flopped. <laughs> It's not a thing. He's he's now like he's not selling anymore. He wants to do another book, so he's putting himself into a situation where you should not do it. Just don't do it. You're in a horror film. Just don't do it. Yeah, according to Sam, he's not performing well in the bedroom as well because he's gone flopped. <laughs> I think it's like I said, it's desperation and ego. Ten years ago, you had his. Worldwide acclaimed with his best-selling true crime novel, and you're having all these interviews, and he's like, "Oh, it's not the money; it's solving the crimes. I've got to be a paragon of virtue." But this nice mansion I've purchased is just—it's mm, just a little bit of icing on the cake. <laughs> Whereas behind the scenes, all he wants is the money. Yeah, because if that was the case, he wouldn't have minded if all his next instalments all these books he's wrote flopped because he's solving his crimes he's bringing justice into the world it's not all about the money he's written well what did i say wrote i always get written and wrote all mixed up mm. i we'll didn't go to eton darling i went to a public school yes yeah, so did i and i went to the university of life thereafter <laughs> whilst you're sipping a Vodka cake. Yes, because I too am a struggling writer and I don't like the whiskey on ice because it burns my throat. <laughs> In what right mind would you take your family into a house where all but one family member were murdered and, th- and that family member has just disappeared? W- would you do that to me, James? <laughs> For some inspiration? Maybe is that, if, it, is, if it was haunted, I might. Oh, is that what it is? We're so listeners. We are searching for our first home at the moment, and um, I'm coming up with all these suggestions. And James doesn't come up with many, but now I have a theory where he's actually trying to find a haunted house. <laughs> Maybe that's it. You're trying to find a spooky one, aren't you? I like to think if I find one, they do slash a bit of the price off. By the way, people may have died here. Can I have 20 grand off, please? I think we'll need a bit more off if I'm getting terrified every night. Well, I'll be even hawk in a situation. I wouldn't actually tell my other half. Thank you. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I think this is, like, the point of the film when you get past all the scares and all the creepy kids and all the cliches and the jump scares it's a man who has to decide between either success or his family whether to chase that glory to basically keep on feeding off his ego or to relent that and to just become a family man to survive the film he should have relented chasing this dream of writing another best-selling true crime novel and just settle down and enjoy the rest of his life with his family and spend time with them. But, of course, ego trumps everything. 
and he paid the price. So did his family, though. They all paid the price. For his ego. Hmm. So, okay, question for you. This family is a bit more realistic to me in this film, and yet, <laughs> and yet, they're still walking around in the darkness. Do they not understand that they have electricity and that it works in the dark? Or maybe they're thinking about their carbon footprint. Because yeah. it's clearly not because they're short of money. As you see at the end of the film, they move back to this massive slinging dick of a mansion. <laughs> slinging dick. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly there's a reason why he needs another best-selling novel, because he's paying electricity bill on that place. There's only four in that family. Yeah, but the first the first book, well, didn't pay for it because they're saying that they have two mortgages. So... Oh, you was paying attention. I wasn't even listening to that, but I don't remember that. Yeah, he said that... They they couldn't get takeout a lot because they're paying two mortgages. Well, he probably couldn't get takeout because he's probably got a massive gate and a huge driveway so Uber Eats can even arrive at the doorstep. <laughs> of course you can have two mortgages if you buy this big fuck-off mansion. It's like a whole family residing in that. Who cleans it? They clearly can't afford a cleaner, so his poor wife has to probably spend all her time cleaning the house as well. You are coming to a lot of assumptions there, James. Did you see the size of that mansion at the end? Yes, I did. <laughs> it's disgusting. He could have settled for a nice little quaint house, maybe in a log cabin in the middle of nowhere for atmosphere. Oh, but, but you, you can't run around the halls in the darkness in a little quaint little house. You just bump into the walls. So, spend more time writing the best-selling novel. <laughs> instead of looking at your electricity bills all the time and fretting about that. Right. I'm just saying. And you say it's a realistic family, but I guess... I guess all teenage boys go for that emo period. I mean, my hair's long at the moment, but that kid needs a haircut. Maybe he likes long hair. You've got the great Keanu Reeves long hair. A lot of men, like myself, are aspiring to. And then you've got, I don't know... 80s glam rock hair on a oh, teenage well. boy. You do realise my dad had longer hair than me at one point, don't you? I've seen the photos. <laughs> and I'm sorry to say my hair is better. Excuse me? It's longer, thicker, moves in the air when the wind blows a lot more. Sexy, like a man's fragrance ever. Right, okay. Well, I, I don't I don't think I would say that my dad's hair is sexy, but it did get very long. And then he shaved it all off for charity, so would you shave your hair off for charity? No, I'm like Samson. All my strength resides in my long flowing <laughs> locks. <laughs> anyway. While we're on the subject of true crime, psychiatrists have stated we have this innate fascination with good versus evil from a young age. And true crime embodies this. We want to know why other people are driven to murder. What's going on under the bonnet? Because most of us don't have it in us to kill someone else. Don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think Sam would change her mind after watching this film. <laughs> of course, we as the viewer get the same adrenaline rush we do watching horror movies. We can witness these horrific traumatising events from the safety of our home. And once we're done, we switch the lights back on and feel relieved we're not the victim. Before long, 
we want to chase that dragon again. So we put on another documentary or pick up a book or in the case of Ethan Hawke in Sinister, delve into another unsolved murder mystery in hopes it reignites his writing career. And talking about unsolved murder mystery, um, Ethan Hawking's character, Ellison, actually points out their own death, the family's death. Did you not catch it? No. Oh, so, um, or maybe I'm just jumping to conclusions here, that when him, I've forgotten his wife's name, what's his wife's name? I can't remember any of their names, but Ethan Uh, Hawke's character. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so his wife is, um, they're having a fight because she's just found out that they're in the murder murder house (laughs) Um, where the crime happened, although be it in the um, garden. It was in the garden. Yeah, and she goes off on one because he didn't agree that it was in the house. He said, no, it's not two doors down. And then he says, nobody died here. It's not like we're sleeping where somebody was killed or they had to wipe blood off the walls for the open house. Ooh. Oh. I didn't notice that at all. Yeah. Um, and then obviously when, when they're murdered, there's blood all up the walls, isn't there, in the um, last bit of the video? Yeah, I think the film is titled Painting the House. Yeah, it is, isn't it? No. But that's that's also linked to the... Um, the daughter, because she's painting everything, isn't she? But So she's painted the blood up the walls. I like that she pointed out that Ellison closed the door on his daughter after making his very specific coffee in the oh, morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because then someone calls him and she's just left standing there. Maybe it's because he closed the door in her face that she was like, I just did something very nice for you, so... Screw you. I'm going to let this masked... I'm going to let this pagan god tempt me into killing you. Yep. Okay, so another thing that I kind of saw in this film was a lot of horror cliches. (laughs) So we've got things like the creaky floorboards, the power cut. I really hate it when the lights go off because I really do hate the darkness. (laughs) But it always happens. Always. And then we've got what you call cheap jump scares. And yes, they made me jump. (laughs) They got the job done, but yes, they are cheap. And going back to the darkness, the walking around, even though they can turn on the lights, um, using that stupid phone. Like, that's not a very good light. Why don't you have a proper torch? Well... Based on experience, torches are not always at hand. You've got to go searching for them in drawers. Mm. So maybe you get the flashlight on your phone to look for the torch in the drawer, but then use the torch. Well, something that I've recently learnt about using the torch on your phone, um, because it's got really dark now when I'm at work and I'm, I'm leaving my office building that's on a lake reserve and we haven't quite fitted the outside lights yet. It's quite scary going out when you can't see anything. And that little light on on your phone does not do anything. I can see my feet and that's about it. So it's blinding you. So homicidal maniacs can like lunge out at you any moment. Literally. So I jump in my car and I'm like, lock in my car straight away. <laughs> oh God, what would you do if like some creepy clown came at you? Thank oh. you for 
that vision. Yeah, good thing to think about mm. at the end of Monday morning. Monday morning. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't arrive in the darkness. <laughs> I do. Well, not yet. So yeah, going back to cliches, we've got like recovered footage. I think that's like a quite a well-known thing that gets repeated a lot in horror films, doesn't it? It's like, okay in that way, yeah. Yeah. And then the the dark attic or basement, that's used quite a lot. We saw that in Invisible Man, didn't we, as well? I think it was basically the same house, wasn't it? It felt like it. Yeah, it's quite a similar one when the, he's there. <laughs> and then Don't she's... Don't give the way. Oh, it's yeah. the best scare. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> and then the ignoring someone's warning. Oh, yeah, but he's busy, he's writing. Course, he's not yeah, bad. but the sheriff's like, no, you need, you need to, you need to leave. Um, and then, of course, one of my not favourites, creepy children. Why? I love children, but why are they creepy? Like, why do we always use them in horror films to creep us out? Yeah, maybe we need to deal with like the psychology of creepy kids. I don't have an answer, but yeah, it's definitely effective. Mm-hmm. And after that shocking lawnmower jump scare. If you know, you know. We're introduced to another horror archetype we haven't covered before. The savant. The what? (laughs) This person who's an expert in a specific field. And there was a whole slew of horror films in the 2010s where they used the savant as a convenient plot device to move the story forward. But it was always on the nose and it felt like bad writing. Sinister and Dark Skies are two that come to mind the most. They get this recognisable actor like Vincent D'Onofrio or J.K. Simmons who only appear in a couple of scenes to aid the main character and then you don't see them for the rest of the film. Well, we saw this guy a few times. Two scenes? Yeah, well, we needed a bit more information, didn't we? (laughs) Of course, like I said, he's there to just drive the plot forward with information like, oh, it's a demon, a pagan demon. And I should add that... As always, Western society has a tendency to demonise paganism. And when using the devil as a plot device becomes stale, writers lean to a much older religion for source material. Despite the fact that Bagul in Sinister, Mr Boogie, is completely made up for the film. Not only does Sam have to contend with a demonic pagan god, but one of her no-nos, creepy kids. Mm. And that cheap jump scare in the loft that involves them and Mr Boogie sure worked its magic on Sam, but... Yes, it's still a cheap scare nonetheless. I don't like things jumping out, especially like in the dark. Uh, mirrors is another one. We didn't actually see the, um, a mirror kind of cliche in this film, but that that's, freaks me out, mirrors. Oh, well, there's actually a film called Oculus, which revolved entirely around mirrors. Great. Really looking forward to that one. It's directed by Mike Flanagan, who's done like Haunting on Hill House and done... Oh, Dr. Sleep. Okay. Got to put that on our list. On the list. Of how to traumatise Sam. Yes. (laughs) Already not liking the sound of it. (laughs) Despite all the jump scares, Sinister received a lot of positive reviews, but still received criticism for those jump scares and cliches. Do we think that if they didn't include the jump scares, people would have enjoyed it as much? Like, wouldn't you think there's something missing out of it if you don't have any scares? Okay, so how I see it, and I don't know if other hardcore horror fans see it this way, but Mm. it's fine the first time you see the film in a cinema. Mm -hmm. 
seeing those jump scares because they are effective because you're not expecting them. But if you have a film entirely reliant on jump scares, mm. the second time you watch the film, you're not going to enjoy it as much because you know when the jump scares are going to happen. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So you're already anticipating it because you know it's there. Exactly. It's not going to scare you. So if you haven't got anything else to fall back on, if you haven't got a great story or some truly great psychological scares or some really gruesome or horrific imagery which lingers in the mind, Mm. then it's just this husk of a film where you're just going to sit there bored and the only way you're going to enjoy it is to watch the film with someone who hasn't seen it, who's not going to anticipate the jump scares and you're Mm. basically waiting for their reaction to get some thrill out of watching it again. Mm -hmm. So this is more of like a one-watch kind of film, would you say? I don't know, because I've watched this quite a few times compared to other films. So why have you gone back to watching it then? If if the jump scares aren't as effective, or is it just solely because we're doing this? Well, one reason I wanted to watch it is because of this recent study that's saying it's the scariest film of all time. Yeah. Which it isn't. But I wouldn't actually say it's entirely reliant on jump scares as well. There's some things going on. It's got that really great creepy soundtrack they use Mm. which does feel quite imposing at times it's keeping you on edge quite a lot of the time isn't it it's really oppressive as well especially with again another thing which is great about this film the really disturbing found footage of all these home movies that Ethan Hawke has to look through for his research because I do like that part where the film cuts away to Ethan Hawke's reaction every time something truly gruesome appears on screen. Not only does the film not linger on the violence in a gratuitous way, but a character looks away the same as Sam was when she was watching the film. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a nice touch that you only really see glimpses of what is on that found footage through like Ethan Hawke's glasses, through the reflection. Yeah, every time I wanted to look away... That's when he was looking away. It was like, oh no, I can't, I can't stand to actually watch the throat getting cut. Oh, well, the, no. the best one is that lawnmower jump scare. Oh yeah, no, I, oh, you you knew it was going to happen. Well, it's a question of when it was going to happen. Yeah, and oh no, like it's making me shake my legs right now. No, I didn't like that bit. <laughs> Death by lawnmower. So I can't be in a position where I can just outrightly criticise this film, saying it's completely dependent on jump scares, because it does have other things going for it. Mm. And I think that's one of the reasons I come back to it, because it is a good story, it's got great characters, it's got definitely got great direction. I do enjoy watching it. Mm-hmm. But to say it's the scariest film of all time, it is questionable. I think that... They've just based it on the heart rate monitor, haven't they? Because that was part of their study that it's everyone like reached a certain heart rate while watching this film. Didn't receive the biggest heart rate rise from a jump scare. That was insidious. And I think listeners will know what jump scare that is. The problem with this study is all the films on the list were all modern horror films Mm. in the last decade or so. Mm Mm-hmm. Because of that, it's not really, it's kind of biased, isn't it? They're watching all these films which are the highest rating on like IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes. So all these classic horror films were overlooked. 
Alien, The Shining, The Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, all these films which in other lists would be in the top 10 scariest films. So are they then saying that all the older films are redundant? Are they not scary anymore? But has technology overtaken... Like, because when we've gone to see, like, classic films in the cinema, um, I found them funny. Like Evil Dead? Yeah. It wasn't scary. It was kind of funny. (laughs) I don't know, because these databases are constantly updated, so it's always based on new viewers. Mm. And because of the increase in revenue... New films are always going to make more money than old films. And that's probably why they didn't get a mention. Because mm. these lists, these top ten lists, are probably based more on gross of profit and then actual rating or review. Mm. We have to still acknowledge the classics, though, don't we? Well, yeah, because they're classics for a reason. I mean, I'm inclined to say that either Alien or Poltergeist are probably the scariest films of all time. Oh, yeah, I don't want to watch Poltergeist. You've never seen it? I think I've seen some of it and I couldn't watch it all. Well, it's going on the list then, isn't it? <laughs> but I could be thinking about a different film. She's trying to wiggle her way out of it. <laughs> Coming back to Aiden, it's, it isn't reliant on just jump scares. Yes, it has great jump scares, mm. but there's so much more going on in that film which lingers in the mind, all that imagery, all that the chest burster. The face hugger, the creepy alien design, the space shuttle, everything. It's not based on simple heart rate. All these classic films shouldn't be overlooked either. I mean, look at this top ten list. You've got Sinister, Insidious, The Conjuring, Hereditary, Paranormal Activity, It Follows, The Conjuring 2, The Babadook, The Descent and The Visit. All films that have come out in the last couple of decades. I honestly think it's based on profit. So should we wrap things up? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Sam, what is your verdict? I would say Sam jump scared. <laughs> um, I wouldn't watch this one again, but yeah, I think I think it's an okay watch. Well, a truly terrifying horror movie doesn't just affect us physically in the moment. It stays with us long after. It lingers in the back of your mind as you check behind your door, look under your bed, and question every creak you hear as you try to sleep. Mm. Are you saying I'm going to question all the creaks then that happen in this house tonight? Sinister. (laughs) Sinister isn't that. It's a thrilling roller coaster, but once you get off the ride, you just go about your night unfazed. Okay, well, we'll see about that, won't we? So I'm not going to wake up hearing creaks. Well, yeah, because an old as bull's and house. I'm thinking there's some children <laughs> walking around. Only if you put it in your mind. But we do, don't we? You have power of your mind, Samantha. We all do. <laughs> well, on that bombshell, this was Scaring Sam. I'm Sam. And I'm James. Mr. Boogie. Oogie Oogie. <laughs> and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ScaringSamPod. And you can email us at ScaringSamPod at gmail.com. Stay, Stay safe, safe out, out there tonight. tonight. Yeah! Oh, yeah.